this law that came into place became a regulation and now it's in our standard operating procedures in the workforce. Now, how does that relate back to what you guys are learning today? And how are you going to better prepare yourself in that, you know, industry now that we're going through this different change of regulations and how we could actually be in a better even have a better opportunity to kind of go into that knowing all of this is coming into place and how it's getting handled. Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. In the world of medical devices, time is usually of the essence. But here's the problem. Traditional product development processes are usually as slow as molasses. They cause delays and they're headaches for companies like yours. Greenlight Guru is the ultimate solution for medtech's biggest challenge. You may be facing lengthy development cycles that drain your resources and hinder progress, but we streamline the entire product development journey. We make it faster, we make it more efficient and less prone to hiccups. By centralizing your data management, automating your workflows, and allowing real-time collaboration. It's all here. It's designed to propel your projects forward. And guess what? Regulatory compliance is built right in. It reduces the risk of costly revisions and ensuring you stay on track. With Greenlight Guru, you're not just developing products, you're accelerating progress, making a difference when it matters most. Don't let inefficiency hold you back. Embrace innovation with Greenlight Guru. Go to www.greenlight.guru to learn more. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Global Medical Device Podcast. My name is Etienne Nichols. I'm the host of today's episode. With me today is Kavita Ram. Uh, she is a PhD of Health and Pharmaceutical Sciences. Uh, she now leads the regulatory department at Spectrum Medical Devices and teaches a few graduate-level regulatory courses at Northeastern University. With over 10 years of experience in the medical device and pharmaceutical industry, uh, she's a really fun person to talk to. We met at RAPS a couple times, and we finally decided to record a podcast after having conversations uh, with, uh, well, about getting into the industry of regulatory affairs. But before we get into that, how are you doing, Kavita? I'm doing well. Really happy to, um, you know, finally have a podcast recording after many um, encounters at RAPS. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just kind of a little plug for RAPS. It's a great place to meet people. I think we met at a table. Um, I'm not sure if I wandered up or exactly how we wound up there, but we were surrounded by people who were just getting into the field and wound up giving you know, our advice, good or bad or indifferent. I don't know exactly if it was taken, but it was. it's great to finally get to talk to you uh, on the podcast. Yeah, same here. And it's funny because those um, students that we were at was actually from Northeastern University, who, which I actually ended up teaching the next year later. So when we met at RAPS, I was like, oh, by the way, those students, yeah, now I'm teaching graduates. That, of is, <laughs> that is so cool. Can we talk a little bit about your background and your journey and why you're so passionate about helping people get into the industry? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I started out very similar to, you know, um, I, I also studied at Northeastern. Um, I went through a great co-op um, system and really learned a lot from mentors. Um, and I would love to, um, and I do constantly share this kind of experience with my graduate level students. I tell them, you know, I'm literally when I was 
kind of starting out, I was constantly looking up for opportunities to grow as not only as an individual, but to be more confident in my role um, as I start to go into this regulatory field. Yes, it's like scary. You know, I've had instances where I probably paused um, a lot in front of an auditor or um, in a meeting or even in a presentation, but I always thought and still believe that if I feel confident in my work, that I present my confidence much, um, especially in a big group of individuals from different experience levels, as long as I'm confident with my work or in front of an auditor, I could um, definitely overcome those hurdles and be able to be more um, presentable and be able to explain a little bit better. And I've done um, that in a variety of different settings and um, from which that I even participated in different um, programs like innovation programs at my last company where I was with um, Stanford teaching staff and they kind of provided this, um, it's called the Bumblebee Innovation Nation program. And it really provides an opportunity to build bridges between what is often seen as individual disciplines. And what I mean that is we have, you know, um, design and which is R&D, and then we have engineering, and then we have manufacturing, and then we have regulatory. We all consider this as when we go into the career that these are like different disciplines and they never come together. Well, one of these programs that I was involved with, again, it's a lot of just kind of that outreach mechanism um, that it really is like, oh, well, actually these kind of do come together and we could definitely be able to um, expand or really create a better or more robust um, conversation with these different um, disciplines, as you uh, may call it, and SMEs. And with the Stanford teaching um, staff actually they taught us how to better work with each other and as well as present on different um, projects so it's really important to understand okay well this is great you know I'm gonna kind of um, work with you know manufacturing design engineering um, and we're going to create um, a potential a hypothetical project um, or products that would really help you know, the end user um, be able to, you know, have surgeries in certain settings or have certain access or healthcare access, which is a big, um, actually one of my favorite things. And that's why I initially um, went into pharmaceuticals um, is mainly because I was really interested in helping the patient. Um, of course, we we help the patient in many different ways. And from joining um, and kind of combining my degree also in health pharmaceutical and now in regulatory as well, we kind of look at, well, how can I make a better product for this end user to use and have better health access to the product? Because there's insurance, um, you know, there's reimbursement issues, there's hospitals, different health cares, different um, rural suburban areas. So we're able to really kind of go out into that open and um, really have that same end goal um, is to help um, patients. Yeah. And I think it's important to keep that in, in mind, but it's interesting. You just talked about the different difficulties a regulatory professional is going to face, whether it's, I mean, it's a large body of knowledge that you have to be able to either know where to go get the information or, uh, or actually have it at your fingertips, all the different regulations, depending on what uh, as geographical um, location you want to market in. And I get that. That's kind of the hard skills. But what are some of the things that 
people are facing or struggling with do you think that uh that 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 your students are facing when they're trying to get uh, that confidence like you said or the first job or or really understand the role that they've been they've landed what are some of those initial things that they face yeah so it um one of which is really that confidence um being able to confidently um state that you know i am capable of doing this role in this setting um, because I have, you know, the expertise in this area. And why they really struggle in that is because a lot of the students are coming from different backgrounds, whether it's engineering, maybe pharmaceutical. And when they come here to study, they're also thinking about, okay, well, I have this degree, degree, but I don't think I'm at all, you know, in relationship or even able to promote that in an interview or yeah. in, in any way that they could feel confident in themselves to say that I know this. From their experience, they felt like what I do at school or in you know university, all these little projects, what is like a letter to file, we have like different um really regulations, whether it's a different pathway and regulatory to get into, you know, the end product. Well, that's all what I can show to a company. They don't really think or even have that experience. I don't think it's really thinking, but really have that experience or that mentorship or anyone to really tell them, well, you should be confident because you have this background that actually could be something unique that the company is looking for, right? So it's just that being able to be confident in oneself, um, being able to promote themselves that, okay, I come from this background and I could help with this project because I know this, this, and this. Yes, I've only you know studied regulatory for this amount of time, but I know this and I know that I could definitely, you know, be a good fit for your company. So that was essentially that one that was super hard for a lot of my students. And the next one is really in kind of in line is the really being able to build that relationship, right? So you have that confidence. Yes, I know, you know, I could promote or be able to be part of this project team and I can give this great advice because I have this unique background but at the same time it's like well how do I talk to them um it's not my first language you know I, I'm still struggling with English um I don't know how to approach them um, I don't know how to you know and it just goes on because they just feel like when they get in front of someone that is of, you know, in a high level, whether it's like VP or even if it's like, you know, someone in a direct level, they're like, they just freeze because they feel like, I don't know what to say. And if I say something, is it because I am thinking that's the correct way to say it, but really in the English language, it's, it's not correct. So it's, it's a lot of, okay, I come from a different, um, area but the same time it's like okay but I'm shy um and then I don't know how to really express myself so it's a lot it's really hard and I've always um personally um, told my students to really build networks be able to be part of organizations and I think rap as you may agree with me raps is a great way to kind of talk to not only professors like myself that actually end up at raps and my students kind 
kind of huddle over and, you know, talk things through. But then they have that confidence to be like, oh, well, there's a company over there that's looking for uh, a specialist role. Here you go. Now have a conversation. And it's funny because I actually did push probably two of my really good students. They're very shy, but they were able to build that um, kind of a relationship, which ended up being into more community opportunities, whether it be in Innovation Nation that I had at my previous company working with different university staffs, or whether it's also looking at these um, external um, events that may be happening, whether it's like a med tech convention or something of, of interest with them where they could actually see, well, pharmacy may not be that different, right? Like, oh, well, this pharmaceutical, you know, what we learn from, you know, the chemistry of our product or whether it's a pharmaceutical of a drug, it all builds into, okay, we need to know the strategic way of making sure this product is out there in the market. Well, you do need that intel as part of this. So it's very interesting that it was a lot of like fear um, from a confidence talking to you know someone um, as well as just being like, all right, well, I think I need to take this course three more times because that's <laughs> the only regulatory experience I can get. <laughs> so it's like a yeah. lot of. You know, it's very interesting um, because I've, I've been through this, but I my I think my career path was a little bit different in that I was at a fundy program in Northeastern and regulatory at that time was a fellowship opportunity. Um, so when we kind of went into pharmacovigilance, um, got um, into like a co-op for pharmacovigilance and then ended up in regulatory, finishing up the fellowship as a master's and kind of went backwards into the system. Whereas this is actually, they finished um, you know, whether it's pharmacy, medical, engineering, all these degrees, and they're kind of going back into this where that's where that doubt is. Well, I am not, I'm an engineer. I'm not a regulatory professional. And I feel like it's just becoming um, very like, oh, I didn't know that professor. That's really good to know and comforting that there is someone advocating for us or even providing this feedback, which they haven't got before. Um, so Again, very, very interesting. You know, I'm um, definitely um, would love to promote more as, you know, RAPS is a great um, place to meet people, but it's also um, a great um, place to kind of see more students in that same boat as well. So, yeah, I think sometimes we forget that those guys are potentially, you know, it, it's interesting to think about in 20 years from now, those students that you're students with, they may be the leaders of other companies. You may be a leader of a company and you're going to be helping each other in, in other ways. So really valuing those, those relationships, it can be kind of intimidating at reps. There's so many people, you mentioned the language barrier, especially if English is not your first language. Um, I can see that being, uh, being kind of intimidating. One of the things that I like to do when I go to any event, one of my goals is to try to figure out what the other person's problem is and try to help them not just solve it, but just maybe give them a resource. So I'll give you an example. I might go to a raps, for example, I'll just keep using that example and say, uh, I meet someone new. I'm like, well, what are your goals for the show? And that's usually a question they don't get very much. What are your goals for the show? And if they have some, a lot of people don't, but if they have some, they're like, well, I'm really trying to 
you know, let's say I'm 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 really curious about the new E Star program that FDA put out. I'm like, oh, well, I actually know Lisa Pritchard. I can introduce you if you're interested. She does a lot of that, or she knows Axtel. I don't know what his last name is. The guy who wrote the E Star. Maybe if you're interested, I can make that connection. And then and then suddenly, oh, you can connect me with this person, and that's that's really cool. And so you just do that. Cast your bread on the waters. Maybe it'll come back to you. Maybe not. But that's one of the ways you can be. Uh, that's one way. That's just the connector way. I like that route to help people at shows. But that's one of the things when you're networking. But the other thing is that that curiosity. When you ask that question, you genuinely need to be interested. What are your goals? And is there any way I can help solve those? Um, anyway, I I, I I took down some notes. You, you said a lot. And I'm just kind of spitballing a few things back. Um, I had another question. You said one of the things that you see these students facing is this lack of confidence and and having that confidence. And uh, I'm just going to repeat back what you said. So those of you listening, forgive me. I can't help it. But understanding your experience, I'm just I'm simplifying it as, as much as I can. But under, what they what some of these students may be lacking is the ability to understand their experience truly understand the company's need that maybe they're interviewing with. You really need to understand what they need. And then the third component is understanding how your experience could potentially solve that company need. So those are the three things. Just kind of summarizing, did I miss anything or what, what are you what are you thinking? No, that's actually perfect. Um, that's a perfect summary. Of my-, <laughs> <laughs> my job's just to listen and repeat back. It's so fun. No, no, and and I think that it is very important because um, one thing I, I just want to add is like a you know tidbit that I learned from my met- mentor is when I was sitting um, in one of my classes, uh, I was like you know they I think a question was asked and they were um, they were saying like well you know everything and he was like well does everyone how many people think that you know everything like just like raise your hand. So it was funny because the question was actually um, the topic that we were talking about was on looking at the crib cycle. And we were like going on and on about like, you know, the future and kind of going through. So he, I think from a student's perspective, if we read the book, we know everything. Um, But what he was getting at was, well, if you think that, then you're probably the dumbest person in this room. And it's because each person read the book but each person is also carrying a different baggage because in that baggage could be well you grew up from this area or maybe you had this kind of experience it's not going to be the same thing as another person or the person that's right next to you so it's very interesting because we all like stopped and we were like thinking about it a lot more and he literally told us okay now we're going to break up into project teams and that's essentially how I see now in companies, we have these project teams that we have regulatory, we have, you know, R&D, we have manufacturing, we have, um, there's even um, different regulatory, whether it's like global and US um, as part of this team, we have marketing as part of this team. And when we sit together, uh, it's interesting because we each have our own experiences and we're all building this project timeline. And I don't think if we were all the same or if we all felt like we knew our, you know, department as well as we thought we did, that we will actually uh, progress or evolve a product to this day. So I really think it's important 
to have um, different backgrounds. And that's why I wanted to really understand the students, why they feel that their experience is not important, because it is, because you're contributing. Um, you're, you know, really um, contributing to not only the project team, but also to others. Like I learn a lot from others and they not they might not be senior to me. They will be junior to me and just coming in as an intern. And I'm just astonished because I've never heard this solution before, but they are also astonished because they're like, you haven't? Like, that's a normal part of this that I learned. My, you know, so it's very, yeah. very interesting. And I think it also builds their confidence because then they feel like, oh, okay, I know something. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. One thing too, that I'm just going to throw out there, you made me think is in those situations, a lot of times we we might hear an acronym or someone says something so matter-of-factly and I might think, oh, I don't really understand that, but maybe I just don't have the common sense to understand that. But one thing that someone used a phrase recently that I really loved, they said, common sense is no longer common because we don't have a common background. And so it can't be common. So in that moment, ask what the acronym stands for is, is uh, oh, let me try to think of one, um, MDR. Is it the medical device regulation or is it medical device reporting to the FDA? You know, what is MDR? What are we talking about here? Ask the dumb question, you know, and and there's probably somebody else asking the same question. And I think I I have started to embrace being the dumbest person in the room. I'm okay with that, you know, and 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 you'll actually learn a whole lot more if you embrace that and just learn that curiosity. But anyway, just just that's what made me think of. Oh, one other one other quote. You made me think of one other quote because uh you said this um Someone said the professor, wow, you know everything. It made me think of a quote. Have you ever heard of this? As the island of my knowledge grows, so do the shores of my ignorance. And I thought that was my wife rolled her eyes when I told her that quote. But I think it's really good, you know, because the more you learn, the more you recognize that you don't, the more you realize what you don't know. But anyway, okay. Yeah, that's really good. No, excellent. And I love that common sense isn't that common because I think I just learned something because I'm just like, ah, that's a great for what I just said. <laughs> yeah, diversity, you know, and you mentioned diversity in those teams. I mean, that's one of the things that uh, I, I just think it's one of the reasons it's so important. Like you said, it, if you have students, they have a beginner's mindset. They're willing to look at things with fresh eyes. Um we, and when I was on a product development team, some some of the best feedback on the design was people who had no design experience, but just people who uh, were using the products. I mean, you want that input from lots of different places. So, yeah, I think it's really cool to have that. That that's a really good piece of advice, and to value yourself as I'm a diverse piece. You know, um, that's that's really cool. Yeah, it definitely. You know, helps with the confidence level as well. You. Um, and you get, um, I don't know if you feel that way, but as a professor, I feel super happy in a, like a very um, different way that I'm like, wow, okay, I just opened up the student's eyes and now they feel more confident and I actually helped in that. So it's it's really great to see these like, you know, changes in like, oh, okay, this is, this is good. All right. So, and yeah. I, and be able to ask those dumb questions because now I get more questions because they've, you know, are like, whoa, okay, it's good that I asked that question. Not bad. And 
And I'm hoping that that would help as they get into, um, you know, this ever-changing global regulatory field. Like we're looking at this landscape that's changing every week um, with all these different regulations from all over the world. So I hope it definitely, as a professor, you know, helps them um, ask the questions um, and make sure that they understand as well as, you know, be able to learn from others, which is very, very important. Yeah. You know, you mentioned being a professor and them asking those questions you're teaching. Being you're kind of in an interesting position, being professor and being in the workforce, and you so you kind of get to see that you're supposed to be the one who knows everything, but you also really have a a finger on the pulse of those who are learning. What do you think about showing your knowledge through teaching? I mean, I'm thinking about this confidence thing. There's a new, I don't know. medium through which you can really teach others. I mean, that's just, I mean, the internet, but LinkedIn, Twitter, um, different groups or meetups, just the ability to teach what you know, even if you you might not think you know a lot, if you think of one problem you've solved, you can teach, hey, this is how I solved it. You know, I went through X, Y, Z, and it shows a little bit of knowledge. What do you, what do you think about that? No, um, actually, that's that's a great question, because the reason why I actually went into teaching is because I felt like I was able to um, include real life experiences in my teaching. And I as, you know, a a student not too long ago, you know, going through these doctor programs um, and as well as working, I felt like the linkage was never there. So as part of um, the curriculum, I love to share um, just, you know, upcoming, like what we learned about on wraps, how is real companies taking that, you know, oh, this regulation, this law that came into place became a regulation, and now it's in our standard operating procedures in the workforce. Now, how does that relate back to what you guys are learning today? And how are you going to better prepare yourself in that, you know, industry now that we're going through this different change of regulations and how we could actually be in a better, um, even have a better opportunity to kind of go into that knowing all of this is coming into place and how it's getting handled. Because really that connection between real life and teaching before it was very faint, but nowadays we have co-ops and we have these um, great um, projects that um, I'm thankful for Northeastern to really um, being able to incorporate a lot of like 510k writing, or they have like these really good um, tech file writing courses, or even looking at clinical, like these are really important as we um, look at, well, what do we really see in industry versus what's in the book or what's, what are we teaching? So I think it's really important. And that's why I felt like as not only someone in the workforce, but also someone that's teaching students, I love to just make that connection so they could see, wow, okay, so me learning this is not just knowing stuff for, you know, the sake of knowing stuff. It's actually something that's going back in there. And these regulations are actually going into standard operating procedures that are telling us, okay, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to um, make sure that everyone in the organization knows. And that's how we can maintain the compliance. So I really think this is really important, as well as being able to have, as you mentioned, right, like we look at LinkedIn, Twitter, they they have regulatory um, 
you know, especially from like Northeastern and companies, they always have information on there um, that we could just kind of like link back to and be like, oh, look at that. Like, that's a new regulation. This is what's and then you see like this streamline a post coming up and be like, oh, my goodness, you know, this, you know, for instance, MDR, right? Like, oh, my gosh, now we're looking at this. Now it's postponed. Um, and then we're looking at um, different speaking opportunities, whether it's, you know, um, having this project and feeling confident in like, OK, well, now that this is our 510K that we used to before October, before Easter, write and submit, now we need to know. Okay, well, what is ESTAR? How do we submit utilizing, you know, this um, comp similar to an ECTD? Um, how do we have this electronic format now? And what does it look like for industry, right? Like, so what happens to RegOps? Like, is it different? Um, is it just more of working on modules? Like, what is what is going on? So I really think this bridging and really sharing knowledge and teaching together is really important as um students go from okay learning to finally going into industry and it's a very quick sometimes really quick transition over especially if you had an internship opportunity and you did amazing that they actually hire you on so it's really um important to have that connection yeah so the when you talked about the stanford innovation um program that you talked about was it bumblebee innovation nation Yep. Yep. Bumblebee that's, Innovation. That's, that's, I, I looked it up. I didn't find it just briefly. So I'll have to look up a little bit deeper, but how do yeah. you get involved in something like that? And and are there, do you have any advice for students who, who to get into involved in something like it, to be part of the creator of, of something? Yeah. So actually, uh, when I was working at my previous companies, I used to work at um, Baxton Dickens and they actually had, um, but on top of your workload, just like little um, opportunities for you to kind of be creative. So one of them was this Bumblebee Innovation Nation program. And at first, you know, um, I think it went out to like a few um, individuals and it was like, um, they really went to your upper management to see if there's any interest in these kind of programs that are available. And I felt like, yes, I do have a full plate, but let me see if I could join these kind of um, teams or even these kind of projects that are either embedded with. So this was actually a collaboration with BD and Stanford, but okay. there are also projects out there that are not part of it. That's more like a med tech role. But I think it's important for students to realize that a lot of these universities are actually having a lot of the company um institutional roles together that you're kind of having that SME in an institutional setting and then you're having more of that like design manufacturing regulatory in company setting to help them make this product um, in the market for the end user so as I was you know first I was like all right I don't I'm not really sure if I want to tackle this but when they started to you know say like okay talk about your interest. And just like how we're talking about in the podcast today, it was really open to saying, what do you want to do? What do you want to learn from this? Um, who do you want to like work with? And they kind of had this spreadsheet from, and the, some companies, especially be they have 
all over like different um, kind of business units. And so this is like a mixture of not only different business units, but different personnel that you may have not even seen before. Um, and being able to work with them on these kind of projects and topics that are just randomized and given to um, peers to say, hey, how would you tackle this? As well as learning, right, the really basic like, okay, well, if you have this question, this is how you need to make sure you, you know, uh, propose a strategy or this is how you do. So we're learning at the same time of actually doing it, which is very interesting because I felt like the same way as I'm kind of learning something from a classroom and then going into like a co-op program to do this project. But it's really that um, combination of these two really great things and put it together. So that way you have, I can build confidence as well as the speaking opportunity that I need to grow as an individual to build my confidence, but also to grow in the regulatory field as well. And I've, um, think like Innovation Nation is a great um, place to do that, but there's also companies that um, have different types of innovators. It's, it's kind of like Shark Tank. I feel like like all the companies are having a Shark Tank because they want someone to think out of the box yeah. and fill these unmet needs that are out there, right? So it's like, it's very good right now like as we're looking at this evolving regulatory landscape right like we're looking at okay well where are those creative people in these industry let's pull them out let's form this little like group and then you feel that confidence because there's funny enough a lot of people just like you right in that group thinking like that and but different experience levels so it's like you're working with you know a vp in marketing uh, and, and you're not you're not at all in that level, but for they all have that common interest and goal, which is to provide this product to the end user. So yeah. it's be great to kind of grow and be that. Um, I, I know it might take um, a little bit to pose your interest. Um, definitely, you know, speaking to your manager about it or whether it's like all right, well, how can I join? It does require a lot of like that networking. But I think once you get um, to say, well, I know I can do this, or at least I can attempt to do it, just that one step out of the door could really open up so many more doors because you just went through that huge hurdle, which is trying to speak to someone or making that connection that you want something more from your job, um, as well as like then making feeling good about that you did that in order to, you know, improve yourself as well as in that professional field. It's a huge, it's a huge miss that we have in, in the university uh, when we only focus on learning the hard skill of this craft, like regulatory. It sounds like what you're saying is this, this gave you the opportunity to learn some of those additional layered on skills that just really magnify your ability. For example, the ability to speak to those outside your department. That's huge. I mean, you're almost speaking a different language when you're speaking to the VP versus someone who's doing the work and so forth. That's a different language you have to learn to speak. To be able to write, if you can write and present well, that's another thing. And then uh, I had a third thing that I thought of, but now I'm, I'm losing it. Um, the business side. That's that's the other side. If we can learn the business side, it really ties what you do to the impact of the business. That's huge. And you become much more valuable to the business. And so I, I think that's really valuable what you're saying. Uh, do you have any other pieces of advice or, or thoughts that you can learn from that sort of thing? 
I do have another question that if you don't, it's okay to punt. <laughs> No, no, go on with your next question. Okay, yeah, the next question I had was, it just occurred to me, what if we shift the conversation? So we're talking to somebody maybe who's in the graduate level, maybe in their first uh, job as a regulatory affairs professional. What advice do you have the companies who are reviewing these different applicants and thinking, well, I'd rather someone with 10 years experience, you know, I mean, that's kind of what we expect them to say. And who knows, you know, and and we shouldn't just look at it as a company. It's a person within the company. But what are the benefits of hiring someone um, like you said, who who does have that experience? Maybe they're struggling to show that experience. What are some of the benefits that you've seen or or or, or things that they can get out of doing that? Yeah, so. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, it in uh, even in my past companies, we had um, you know fresh fresh grads, whether it's an internship or a co-op, or they're just interviewing their um, first time as an applicant. And what I've seen is when they first um, kind of come into um, and sit on the chair to be interviewed, I think. As um, an individual, uh, of course, we're looking at it's better to have a 10 year versus a one year or, you know, a fresh off the guy. But at the same time, I think what is really important is to make sure that you understand, you know, OK, this is what you're going to do right as your um, target. Like, OK, this is what my job description says, but be able to be confident when you're kind of sitting in front of the desk and be like, okay, well, I can do this because more times um, I can tell you that we're looking for someone that really wants to do the work, not really kind of oversee where that's where more of the experience goes. So as you get into that experience level, you kind of want to oversee the work, but we're, as companies are starting to get into this crazy, like, you know, ever-changing regulatory landscape, I tell my students and I tell everyone that we're really looking for, and companies are looking for someone that really is interested in doing the work, as well as being, um, at the end of the day, that doing the work will actually build their confidence because you're going to be presenting the work, you're going to be part of these little project teams, and etc. But it's really important as you know, you're starting out in this field, whether you're, you know, brand new or you're like one year new, you um, have those um, skills or really say like, okay, you know, I can definitely do the work or show you like there's few students says that I actually show what I did at Northeastern as my like, you know, example, but it's just that interest level to really make sure that, okay, well, they're looking for someone like this, but it's really important that companies are looking for someone that actually wants to do the work versus like, okay, let me just oversee this or let me just review this. Yeah. Where that's more of that higher expertise level. Whereas we want someone that really wants to get down and dirty um, and be like, yes, I want to dig through those files and I'm going to get what you need. And I'm going to make sure that we comply to this new regulation, which, you know, is of course a lot of work, but at the same time, that work could actually end up and most of the time I, I would say like 90% of the time it does that you actually end up getting this great role in a company because you actually went into that oh all right let me build this let me build these relationship and you're doing it without actually even knowing um so very important as you know first time applicants jo join because they'll see 
um, I think it's like one to five years. And they're like, oh, I, I'm like one and less. Like, <laughs> like there's no way I'm not like, because yeah. that's, right, right. You're looking at regulatory specialist one, one to five years. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, um, you know, they come back to me, Professor, maybe if I stay another year in this course and do the work, then I can, you know, I was like, that that's not essentially, you know, how I would ask you to do, but I would ask you to attend these interviews or um, be able to write a cover letter to say that this is what, you know, I plan on doing and this is what I need to do in order to um, improve myself in the career. But you're not never going to be able to do that in the classroom, unfortunately. I wish I could, um, you know, give you a real life, you know, um, example or be able to get you somewhere that would give you this experience to tie this together. But it's really important for, you know, you to kind of go out there. And of course, you know, that's the biggest challenge for a lot of folks. Yeah. You know, okay. I'm going to have to look this up, but someone told me an example. This has been a few years. So let's see what my memory does for me. But when they wanted to take the, uh, the, the rocket to the moon, the U S if you looked at the, the average age in the, the, uh, the NASA program, the people that they got in there, I think the na- average age was somewhere around 25 or 26, pretty young to get wow. us to the moon. And I'll have to look at that, look that up, make sure I'm getting that all accurate. But it was almost as if they didn't know what they didn't know. And they didn't know enough to say, oh, it's not possible. And so I think uh, I'm kind of a believer, you know, if, if, if those young people could have the confidence and the ability to communicate the experience that they really do have, then they could take take companies really far. That's not to negate the experience because experience is very valuable. And those who've been in the field, I have tremendous respect for those who've been in the field for 30, 40, 50 years. But I don't want to say that the, that respect at the at the detriment of those who are just coming out of college and and really have a, a willingness to do the work. As you said, I really love that you brought that out. The, the willingness to do the work is so valuable and we forget that. So that's really cool. So those of you listening, value that in yourself that if you're willing to do the work that is an incredible asset to a company yes okay we're almost at the top of the hour any last piece of advice do you have for either companies hiring or those who are trying to get um this first role or or entering their first role i um definitely want to say you know making sure that you're confident in yourself is very important and for companies um, that are like looking for you know individuals especially um, even though they want someone with expertise I hundred percent think that someone with a fresh um, mindset um, very familiar with the regulation or willing to take that extra step into understanding the regulations is de- will be valuable for the company because no matter what, um, even though, you know, it's great when someone has a lot of experience, but it's also great to also have encounter that with someone with a fresh set of eyes. Um, and, you know, I, and that's something that I want students to hear as well, because many times, you know, that different perspective is all you need to be like, ah, all right, that's the that's the path we have to take, right? Because sometimes we take that you know, rusty old path and we never go through or go over those mountains because we're like, oh, I don't know if we could go there. But you just need that extra perspective um, to say like, all right, well, that might be a good idea if we go through that. Um, Yeah. Very cool. 
Well, I appreciate it. And thank you for sharing your experience and uh, what the work you're doing. Really, really fun. I'm I'm excited to see yeah, maybe what we come up with at the next wraps. Maybe we can have another conversation. We'll see. Yes. Where can people find you and what would be the best way if you're okay with people reaching out and asking questions? Yeah. So LinkedIn is probably the best way to kind of get in touch with me or um, they could always, you know, if a lot of my students know I'm always available, um, just um, utilizing my like Northeastern um, email address as well, um, which I can share with you um, if that's okay. Sure. But um, yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. So if the, if you're listening, and you'd like to reach out to Kavita, be sure and check out the show notes. Sounds good. Thank you so much. We're going to let you get back to the rest of your day. Everybody, you've been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Reach out if you have any additional questions. We'd love to talk and we will see you all next time. Everybody, take care. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, can I ask a special favor from you? Can you leave us a review on iTunes? I know most of us have never done that before, but if you're listening on the phone, look at the iTunes app, scroll down to the bottom where it says leave a review. It's actually really easy. Same thing with computer. Just look for that leave a review button. This helps others find us and it lets us know how we're doing. Also, I'd personally love to hear from you on LinkedIn. Reach out to me. I I read and respond to every message because hearing your feedback is the only way I'm going to get better. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.